You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Part of the 247sports.com. We're with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. The countdown to Easter Sunday is on. Get by Peterbrook today. Make that Easter basket just right. Give them a call also. It's 205-752-0211. The Chocolate Lady and that outstanding staff, they can take care of you. Start to finish Easter 2021. Do it right with Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Mr. Jacob Harrison, together we combine to form the 60 bit of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob Harrison is extremely excited right now because it is 11 a.m. and not just because it is his favorite show. Well, one of his favorite shows besides his show, Off the Edge. Uh, It's another pro day at the University of Alabama. The coverage uh, coming on the SEC network right now as they're taking you to the Hank Crisp Indoor Facility. Mac Jones going to throw for some San Francisco 49er coaches and administrators of note. Uh, Some late updates here on maybe Devontae Smith trying to run a few routes for Mac Jones. So a lot to uncover here, a lot to reveal here in the next couple of hours, Jacob Harris. I know you're excited about that. I'm extremely excited, and uh, just about the time your show was starting, James Palmer uh, report reported that uh, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith will be running some routes. So uh, even though his finger's not 100, percent so uh, yeah, I mean, plenty to be excited about. I, I still am kind of curious about the whole Mac Jones is it a smokescreen thing, and we're not exactly going to learn anything about that, but uh, get to see Najee in action a little bit too. So plenty to be excited about. There's at least credence for there being a second pro day. At least we will see new things. Greg McElroy, by the way, the Alabama national championship quarterback from the 2009 team is at the Hank Crisp indoor facility for the sec network 
coverage. So Greg providing some insight for the SEC Network. Greg, a little bit of a razor strike this morning. I can respect it. You know, it's early in the week. You're not quite ready to shave on a Tuesday, but Greg's there and you got full coverage. And we'll certainly keep you updated here. Some other notes of interest from this second pro day in as many weeks over at the University of Alabama. Apparently, Najee Harris will go through some drill work, but he will not run. Uh, You do have Bill Belichick on hand, New England Patriots head coach, as promised. Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, is in the building. He of the preferred flat bill caps. I don't know how I feel about that, Jacob Harrison, when it comes to NFL head coaches and flat bills, but uh, it looks like Sean Payton, looks like New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton is on hand for the workouts today. So uh, the big boys, Jacob Harrison, John Lynch, general manager for the San Francisco 49ers, in terms of guests, in terms of onlookers, it looks as billed as we expected for this second of two pro days. About the same as last week. Uh, you know, last week everybody, you know, most teams sent sent GMs and head coaches, and those that didn't mm-hmm. have now done it this this go around. Uh, Tommy Paradise sent something last night on my show that that may, had me thinking on that smoke screen, though. Uh, and everybody's going to have their eyes on Kyle Shanahan and kind of seeing where he's looking, who he's talking to. What if the the smoke screen is real, and he's not <laughs> here to talk talk to Mac Jones? But to talk to Devontae Smith, and and the Dolphins just bought it hook, line, and sinker and may have missed out on one of their, their major targets. If the Niners go up there for Devontae um, and you're the Dolphins, you probably think, though, with this wide receiver group, you're still okay. I mean, unless you just have Devontae with a grade far above Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle, you should still be okay, right? where the Dolphins are picking if, in fact, the Niners do go. Maybe maybe it's a Jerry Rice pick. You know, yesterday I was talking so much about Mac, and I want that number 16 jersey brought out of retirement for the 49ers. If it is Mac to the Niners, maybe you bring 80 out of retirement for Devontae Smith. See a little Jerry Rice and Devontae? Huh? You see where I'm going with this, Jacob? Or is it too early in the program for all that nonsense? It might, it might be a little blasphemous for me to <laughs> let you have your fun with uh, Joe. I don't know. I don't know if I could do the same thing for Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll keep you up to speed on everything we're able to uh, bring to you from this second pro day over at the University of Alabama. A lot of other stuff to get into on the program as well today. You're welcome to join us at two zero five. Three four two nine nine zero four. if you'd like to check in. Of course, it is a Tuesday. So Brent Beard coming up in the very next segment. We're going to go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent. We'll put a wrap on SEC men's basketball because it is a wrap following the Arkansas Razorbacks' Elite Eight defeat at the hands of the Baylor Bears last night. Five, or was it six, I guess, SEC teams in the uh, – in the NCAA tournament, and yet two get to the 16, one to the eight, and that was it. Arkansas last night with multiple trips in that second half to really make that game with Baylor interesting just could not get a bucket when they really needed it. Got it down to four, and then I think went through a stretch 
of O of 10 from the field, that's, uh, that's makes it tough. Makes it tough to get over the hump, but give Arkansas credit. Got down huge. Baylor was every bit worthy of a one seed there in the first 10 to 15 minutes of that game last night. But uh, Arkansas scrapped back in a very, very successful year. Year two under Eric Musselman, too. How about these year two coaches in the uh, in the Southeastern Conference? Nate Oates, Eric Musselman, future is bright. How about the SEC West for a change? You know, we talk so much about Kentucky and Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina made a Final Four not all that long ago. All about the SEC East. Of course, there's not divisions in basketball. But if there were in the footprints of the football divisions, uh, it would have been a good, good year for the SEC West. 205-342-9904. Talk with Gary Harris about this in the previous half hour on his program. Tough one for Alabama softball last night, man. Go into the bottom of the six on the road up in Lexington with a four to nothing lead. You've got Montana Fouts in the circle. You've got Alexi Kilfoyle in wait as a closer, closer option, and both of them uh, unable to hold down that four to nothing lead. Credit to Kentucky. Eight nine hitters there in the bottom of the seventh in a two run deficit. Go deep, and it is a five uh, four win for Kentucky in eight innings up there. Alabama's first series loss in SEC play this season, an opportunity to back bounce back quickly here coming up in just the next couple of days. So we'll see if the Crimson Tide can do that. We're going to step aside for our first break. When we come back, as promised, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News, he'll join us on the program. Throughout the program, we will update you as best we can from Pro Day over at the University of Alabama. Crimson Tide football team back at work later this afternoon. It's football plenty over off Bryant Drive today between Pro Day, between uh, the Alabama 2021 edition, getting back to work. You got a scrimmage coming up here at the end of the week at Bryant-Denny Stadium, so it's all starting to happen where football season and its impending arrival coming up. Before you know it, before you know it, we'll be talking about Miami and the Hurricanes uh, on September the 4th over there in Atlanta, Georgia, Dede. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on a Tuesday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama football will host its second pro day of the spring on Tuesday as several Crimson Tide players showcase their skills for NFL scouts and personnel. Head coach Nick Saban gives his thoughts heading into pro day. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say how proud I am of uh, this group of young men, uh, the kind of players, the kind of competitive character they had, uh, the togetherness and the leadership that they gave our team is I think something that would benefit or any organization or any team. So um, we always appreciate it when you guys pay attention to our players, and I certainly thank you for that. And we try to make it as hospitable as possible uh, here at Alabama anytime uh, the NFL is involved with anything that we do here. I'll have more in a moment. 
Tradition is built by doing the right things over and over again. At Alabama, this means 27 SEC championships and 17 national titles. Well, at Dex Imaging, this means taking great care of our customers day in and day out. Dex Imaging has a tradition of providing quality office equipment at a fair price with quick, reliable service. Put Dex Imaging's tradition of satisfied customers to work for your business. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of the Crimson Tide. If you missed last night's edition of Hey Coach, you can check it out on our Alabama Insider Podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Baseball head coach Brad Bohannon gave us a recap of the Ole Miss series and looks ahead to this weekend against Tennessee in Tuscaloosa. Also, gymnastics coach Dana Duckworth previews the upcoming NCAA regionals meet. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. It's happened again in Alabama. A tornado emergency. One local radio company stations broke in with life-saving information to help protect you and your family. That company was our company, Town Square Media. And here on Tide 100.9, we stand committed to do our part for the city and towns we love. When tornadoes touch down in Tuscaloosa, count on Tide 100.9 every time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, maybe a few isolated showers, the high 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of scattered showers, the low 64. Tomorrow, cloudy, a good chance of showers, maybe a few strong thunderstorms during the day, the high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And on this Tuesday, as we typically do, we head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line and check in with our great pal, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Of course, we've told you many times before. Brent Beard, also a longtime voter for the Heisman Trophy. But Brent, we start with some hoops as the SEC has vacated the bubble officially up there in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Arkansas Razorbacks, a game Razorback team mm-hmm. in the second half last night. Just too many empty trips, it seemed like, Brent. They got it to four. They were in a position there uh, beyond the midway point of the second half to really make that thing interesting with the Baylor Bears, but just couldn't quite get over the hump. A game that in some ways felt like Alabama and UCLA one night earlier. Yeah, yeah it sure did. Uh, we got behind by 18 points. Uh, I mean, everything Baylor put up early on went in when it did the trap. It was amazing the skill that Baylor has. 
uh, eight-point game in halftime, four-point game, uh, and with uh, a little under 10 minutes to go. Um, but the Hogs really could not overcome that. Lost the turnover battle 15-9. to Actually out-rebounded Baylor, uh, frankly, and both teams shot around uh, 50%, which is amazing that Baylor took a few more shots. But the bottom line is it was a tremendous year for Arkansas, a tremendous year for Alabama, uh, really her Arkansas, that uh, J.T. Note uh, fouled out when he did. Uh, that ended up being a real problem, too. But, uh, Trev, I think it's important for the league that uh, teams beyond uh, the ones that wear the Kentucky jersey are having this much success and really kind of validates what the the, the SEC has done, uh, frankly, in a short period of time. It's pretty cool, actually, to see what would previously be referred to as the SEC West yeah. sort of carry the league in hoops for a change, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, frankly, it sure did, uh, because your uh, proverbial SEC East, Florida, Tennessee going out early, Kentucky didn't even make it, Missouri – uh, I think had a better year than people realize, although a lot of those guys are in the transfer portal uh, at this point too. So uh, it uh, they they really did a uh, a nice job. I mean, there's still some questions. I don't know if we're going to lose coaches necessarily this year. I know Frank Martin at South Carolina has had a, a meeting with the administration. Uh, obviously, they were in the Final Four not that long ago. What, what was that, 2017? Uh, so uh, maybe the equities is going from that at this point. Uh, half this Gator team seem like that, that they're going. So a lot in transition, but to get six teams in uh, and get one to the, uh, uh, the lead eight, and Franklin, Alabama should be playing tonight, too. When we talk sustainability with an emphasis on Alabama, and we've done that a good bit over the last day or so since that loss to UCLA, are you all in now with uh, Alabama basketball moving forward under Nate Oates? Certainly there's been some runs in the past. 2004 comes to mind. Uh, didn't, didn't feel empty, I wouldn't say, in, mm-hmm. in the aftermath because it was such a monumentous achievement at the time, but – there was sort of this thought process, well, great, now what, what does it mean for Alabama men's basketball moving forward? Are, are you feeling that this is something that is uh, you know, a long-term expectation for the program? Yeah, this is different uh, than what we've had, uh, frankly, over, over some of the previous coaches, even Mark Godfrey in, uh, in the short success that uh, he had uh with that so and it was smart for greg Byrne uh to get a contract and a um the extension and the raise uh during the season that certainly with texas and indiana looking for coaches um guys like jd davidson coming in next year but i tell you trav that this this shackleford quinterly ellis primo uh group uh, that that is coming back. I mean, the, as skilled as those guys are, uh, and then now they obviously need a, need a rim protector, uh, and I think that's good. That that will be there too, uh, and they need to check in with um, Ray and Baloo, uh 
uh, I would be fascinated to know where they're going with the strength and conditioning program because they got pushed around too much, and there are a lot of things they need to work on. Uh, they they weren't a real good passing team. Their hands weren't strong enough. The ball got batted away way too often. But uh, look, those are things you can overcome. I, I frankly, Trav, I, I think that we may be in for a Wimp Sanderson type run and maybe even better than that in the next few years. Yeah, I think personally the the surprise would be if, if this program doesn't transcend yes. uh, even what we've seen in some really good eras of Alabama men's basketball. Of course, that means ascending beyond the Sweet 16 because goodness knows Alabama has gotten stuck sort of in neutral when it gets to the round of 16. We're talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today. In First Coast News on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, uh, Brent will get into some college football talk. I touched on this yesterday. The passing of Howard Schnellenberger. Uh, you talk about guys who laid foundations for great things to come, and you certainly expect that to be the case for Nate Oates where Alabama men's basketball is concerned. But you look back at this dynasty that Miami blossomed into on the football field from a program that was virtually extinct almost yeah. at the time that he took it over. Uh, very interesting individual, too, in Howard Snellenberger. I yes. don't think anybody would argue yes. that. No, no. Uh, he was he was quite a character, to say the Eccentric. least. Eccentric. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and certainly laid the foundation uh, uh, with Coach Bryant as far as his coaching acumen and what he was able to do. I mean, he got to Miami, help me on this trail, but he got to Miami in the late 70s. 79. And, yeah, yeah. And, and they won a national championship in 83. Uh, mm-hmm. And look, I would say, Trav, if he did not go to the USFL uh, and stayed at Miami, uh, uh, now look, obviously Jimmy Johnson had his share, fair share of this. There's no telling how good that they would have been. Started the program at Florida Atlantic. I really thought that he probably – really raised the level at Louisville um, uh, considerably. I, I, I think I've shared this with you before, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the most amusing, most innovative things I've ever seen, Howard did a coaching show uh, when he was at Louisville uh, from a kindergarten class. He had kids that were around him. He was talking about Louisville football, and it was one of the, one of the more creative things I believe I've ever seen. Uh, but you know, he had that in him, uh, and, and I will I will still say, uh, Trav, his not being in the College Football Hall of Fame, regardless of his record, which is around 500. When you accomplish what he did, he deserves to be in there. He's kind of like if Nick Saban had stayed at LSU, you wonder what LSU might have done under Nick Saban instead of what has happened at Alabama under Nick Saban. You wonder for Howard at Miami if that had been the case. And what people don't understand about Miami, and even to this day, um, the commitment to football isn't probably what you would think. No. And – an emphasis on that in terms of resources. I think Miami and Florida State in those ways are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Their brand recognition is huge for yes. both the Hurricanes and the Seminoles. But for a guy like Howard Snellenberger, who had been at Alabama, had been in the NFL, been around uh, big-time football, 
Uh, Miami at the time, I, I can't emphasize enough, you know, the state of that program and even beyond uh, Howard Snellenberger, you know, how far that program has needed to come just in recent years to get True. facilities and resources where they need to be in relation to how you perceive Miami football to be. Or, again, Florida State, the same way, too, with Jimbo Fisher, I think, was kind of uh, reminiscent of that. Now, Snellenberger could bring in talent, and it was amazing who he could attract and how he developed them. Uh, and they're hoping now that, uh, and I'm, I'm still not convinced, Manny Diaz can get it done. They brought in Ed Reed in a interesting position, but uh, your your point's a good one. I, if he would have stayed at Miami, I think he would have had enough influence to have really improved their facilities uh, and, and you're right, for both Florida State and Miami, and people people don't get this, uh, is the facilities still are, are not anywhere near where they need to be. Now, unfortunately, and I remember we were doing radio together when this happened, but he kind of bottomed out at Oklahoma, and it was just not a good fit. It wasn't a good time in his life. Uh, but, but frankly, what he did uh, at Florida Atlantic, again, uh, was simply amazing. Uh, but, and Trav, uh, uh, it, it, this kind of fits his personality, but he was always the dapper one, wasn't he? Had the, yes, he was. Uh, had that time, that suit coat. Suited. Uh, Suited. Hey, Trav, he may be 110, but he was dressed to the dines, wasn't he? Had that pipe. Had that pipe. That's right. Maybe, oh, yeah. even, maybe even a half pint of Evan Williams. Oh, uh, yeah, coat pocket, perhaps. Yeah. I, I don't you know, think those guys. Those guys are officially gone, right? I guess yeah. your guy at Minnesota, he wears a tie um, up there, but the coat and tie guy, like the Johnny Majors, the Pat Dye on occasion, certainly Paul Bear Bryant, Howard Snellenberger. I guess we've officially moved on from that era of the dapper, the yeah. dapper yeah. sideline apparel for head coaches and and let me say this real quick if if anybody ever really wanted to know what coach bryant sounded like except for (laughs) coach bryant you you need to google howard being uh interviewed and 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 look you remember this like i do there was a lot of thought trav that howard and or jackie sherrill would one day be the head coach in alabama so, uh, and it really kind of makes you wonder in, in Howard's prime if he had gotten the Alabama job where that may have gone. It obviously didn't happen, but, 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 but yeah, it for, uh, without going into too much history here, uh, there, there was a lot of thought. And listen, it was commonplace among beat writers that one of those guys would eventually take Alabama over. Yeah. Howard and Louisville in that 91 Fiesta Bowl did a oh, number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On Gene Stallings' first team. And Gene could go there in terms of giving you some of that Coach Bryant sound, but not as deep and guttural, I guess you could say, (laughs) as could Howard Snellenberger. Unfortunately, around the SEC here in recent days, those dreaded three letters, ACL, have made some headlines, it sounds like, Brent. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, At Auburn, uh, Jeremiah Wright, defensive tackle, who the I, I heard an old beat writer say yesterday uh, he was an offensive lineman and moved to defensive line, and and they're short on the line of scrimmage, 
in terms of depth and quality, as you know. And that was, and he was, they were really counting on him. So that that was a real uh, disappointment. Uh, but and the other one would have to be George Pinkins. I, I know you've gotten into this, and they've got some depth. And I know that a lot of the Georgia beat writers are talking about how. Uh, satisfied that Kirby is right now with his team. Uh, it, but, but look, Trav, uh, you don't replace a George Pickens and get over that real quick either. No, you don't. And you're right. We had just talked last week about Kirby being extremely optimistic, borderline giddy about yep. where that offense huh. had sort of ascended to this spring in comparison to some previous springs. I guess if you're Auburn, too, there's been some good news in terms of an emergence of a uh, fairly young wide receiver in Javarius Johnson, the Birmingham area product. And they also have one of these hybrid guys. I don't I'm not going to say J.J. Pegues is uh, uh, Kyle Pitts like uh, yeah. I think they're entirely yeah. different physically. Right. Right. But I guess if you really look at it, he could be a tight end mismatch in his own right, just in a. Much bigger way, I guess. Much wider way with J.J. Pegues. Yeah, 6'2", 300. Uh, and by the way, a native of Oxford. How about that? Yeah. Uh, so he got out of the Grove somehow. Uh, but, uh, and look, they are uh, kind of using him a little bit of everywhere. Maybe as a, a fullback on the goal line or in short yardage or as a blocking back or trying to get him out. I mean, he is, the, I, but, but I think what they need to do, Trav, in situations like this is, uh, they, now, they need to get it beyond, uh, just being some, something unusual and a great story into a guy who can really help them, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what's going to matter. And then we talked about it. They, they need, they need streams coming from someone yes. other. Then yes. Bigsby uh, in the backfield, and uh, you continue to be of the mindset until you see Bo Nix really effective from under center in this offense on a consistent basis, uh, you, you'll believe it at that point. Um, Drew Savoda is a name that has propped up here in recent days following the sudden departure of uh, Jay Graham as a tight ends and special teams coach at Alabama. Uh, first thing that stood out to me anyway, and checking out Svoboda's background, uh, was the ties to the state of Texas, Brent, from a recruiting perspective. Well, look, he is in that Houston area. Uh, I I lived in Fort Worth for three years, uh, and understand that, that, that area, but the talent coming out of Dallas, Houston, and Texas is unbelievable, uh, and certainly also got my attention, Trav, he was a high school coach. I know, I know this was a high school level, but you know what football is in that state. Won 93 games in 10 years. Doesn't take long to do the math with that. Uh, but, and, and frankly, uh, from some radio contacts in Memphis have said that he did a good job there also with, uh, with Mike Norvell and that crew. But, uh, the, um, uh, look, it's all about recruiting, isn't it, pal? So, uh, Houston, Texas, uh, to, to me, that's the bottom line why he was hired. Absolutely. Uh, those were the initial concerns when you lost Jeff Banks and Carl Scott. Uh, not only were they exceptional positional coaches, coordinator in the, in the uh, happenstance of, of Banks where special teams are concerned, but especially, especially where 
recruiting uh, was a, a big thing and all that. Um, the NCAA, a couple of important dates, I guess, coming up in terms of some uh, issues that could be uh, more laid out for us uh, with, an, uh, I guess, more of an emphasis on the one-time transfer rule. You know what? I saw today for the first time, uh, and I thought this would be a slam dunk, uh, but th- there were some tweets today from some uh, some guys who would know that there may be some real pushback from the coaches that they may not be ready for this, and who knows how this is going to go. Uh, is this going to continue to be even more the Wild West than, than what we've got? And again, what we were talking about is the one-time transfer rule uh, supposedly being addressed in April uh, in the NCAA meeting. Uh, uh, so that's going to be very interesting to see where that goes, if it passes or if they may table it uh, as a possibility too. So uh, what we, Trev, we need to keep our eye on that one. Uh, that, and frankly, that may end up in a different direction than we thought it originally would be. Henry Toa Toa watch, I guess you could call it, around Tuscaloosa and Knoxville, uh, where you consider that one-time transfer rule uh, coming up here in the next month or so. What about the quarterback position with spring practice underway pretty much everywhere or in some instances already wrapped up uh, in the SEC? I uh, see here where it looks like the Arkansas situation might be unfolding as expected behind center. Yeah, that will be interesting uh, to see to kind of see where that goes. KJ Jefferson is um, uh, one of the better dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, I think he's had a good spring. Obviously, Felipe Franks had his one year, uh, and uh, that he is out. They've got a, they almost, they've also got another guy named Hornsby who's gotten a little bit of action uh, with that too. So I mean, it kind of seems like. Jefferson may be the guy uh, at at Arkansas, uh, and and Trav, I've, I've also had some people mention, and this is kind of something to file away for later, uh, would be the uh, this Hendon Hooker uh, at Tennessee who transferred from Virginia Tech, that he may end up uh, get, getting a real look. Now they've got a freshman, Katie and Salter, who's been uh, suspended. And you mentioned Toa Toa, uh, who, by the way, is not listed on the, uh, uh, the the latest Tennessee spring roster either. Yeah. And we talked about some injuries earlier. Jalen Weidermeyer, a pretty big one. When you talk really? about SEC in general, the outstanding tight end for the Texas A&M Aggies, although it sounds like he should be fine uh, by the time we get to really May, June, July. Well, and listen, he's always a load, isn't he, Trav? And, and uh, with, with him improved uh, and, and the normal uh, progression that, that we see, uh, I'm, I'm sure Alabama will see enough of him when they go to College Station next year, won't they? Oh, yeah. We're going to see enough of him, Anaya Smith. Yeah. yeah. Enough of Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, yeah. Return some skill talent, no doubt, around a new quarterback situation we'll see how that part plays out for jimbo fisher and the aggies as always brent we appreciate you taking the time here on the program look forward to doing it again next week 
Uh, this is a, a sermon on another day, but Vanderbilt spending $300 million dollars, uh, on football and basketball. Uh, and by the way, Trav, nothing, uh, nothing's been done to that stadium, I understand, since 1981. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's time, don't you? One of the biggest insults I've ever heard in relation to Vanderbilt's stadium is we used to have, um, for the company, we would have conferences there in Nashville at Vanderbilt in the Marriott that right. is essentially in the one end zone yes. uh, at Vanderbilt Stadium. And some of the guys, some of the publishers of the uh, sites in Texas, like UT or A&M, the lobby of that hotel, you could pretty much see right into the stadium. And I had one of those guys <laughs> say to me one morning over coffee, he goes, man, that's a nice stadium. Which high school plays in there? <laughs> the inference, of course, being that would be a high school stadium well, well, in Travis, Texas. As you know, in Texas, uh, there are a bunch of them that, that are bigger than what Bandy's got. <laughs> that was, uh, I, there, I, I think that's where he was going, for yes. sure. All right, Brent, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, man. Look forward to it, pal. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. If you haven't already, give give a follow to Brent on Twitter, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide, 100.9 FM, right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. With more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Thanks as always. To Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News joining us. We uh, pretty much ran the gauntlet, covered the gamut of collegiate athletics with a special, special emphasis on the Southeastern Conference. $300 million, $300 million going into Vanderbilt Athletics. I think the Commodores previously budgeted that much for their baseball pitching staff where endowed scholarships were concerned. I think it used to be just 300 million for the pitching staff, but uh looks like a big commitment coming for the Commodores. We'll see. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. As we mentioned earlier in the program, the Alabama Crimson Tide football team back on the practice field later this afternoon. You're getting ready. Hasn't been a very newsy spring practice to this point. 
other than getting the availability status of some players to open spring drills from Nick Saban, hasn't been, well, Jay Graham certainly qualified as Newsy, leaving the staff after less than two months on the job. Uh, we talked with Brent, of course, in that previous segment about Drew Svoboda of the University of Memphis, potentially at least, uh, being linked to that opening now, Savota, with those recruiting ties to the state of Texas. So that would make a sense. You've had some uh, – make some sense. You've had some guys with Memphis ties already pass through here, either Holman Wiggins, wide receivers coach, has previously worked at Memphis with Justin Fuente on that staff before Fuente went to Virginia Tech and Wiggins followed him up to Blacksburg. Ryan Silverfield, the head football coach now at the University of Memphis, was actually in that mix for the offensive line job here in Tuscaloosa back in 2019 after Brent Key had left to go to Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins. You had an opening both at the coordinator level, Mike Oxley, became the head coach at the University of Maryland, and also the OC position. And Ryan Silverfield actually interviewed, came to Tuscaloosa, interviewed uh, with Nick Saban very early on in the process. Uh, The problem was that the staff, as it was expected to lay out, uh, didn't exactly go as according to plan. So, in reality, Ryan Silverfield, in some ways, was interviewing with the wrong people at the time that he interviewed for that offensive line job at UA. Dan Enos was expected, as you recall, at that point to transition into the job from Mike Loxley, and then Dan pulled a disappearing act, disappearing Dan Enos Dan was there one day at the offices at the Malmore Athletic Facility, and the next day, Dan wasn't. Dan headed to Coral Gables to take over as the offensive coordinator. It turned out to be a cameo for Dan Enos down there with the Hurricanes. So Ryan Silverfield came to town, spent the day at the UA football offices, spent a lot of time with Dan Enos, And he leaves thinking, this is the guy I needed to impress because this is the guy I'm going to be working with if I'm the offensive line coach at Alabama. Well, Enos disappears, darts, heads to Miami. Silverfield is interviewed with the wrong guy, basically. Now, look, we understand Nick Saban makes the hires, but I'm thinking there was some feedback that was going to be expected from Dan Enos where that day spent with Ryan Silverfield was concerned. Didn't work out for Ryan Silverfield on that one. Ended up going to Kyle Flood, who had the association with Steve Sarkeesian, who came in from the Falcons as well. And uh, that's how things work in coaching business, in the coaching ranks from time to time. Worked out for Ryan Silverfield, though. Went, stayed at uh, Memphis as associate head coach to Mike Norvell. Norvell gets the Florida State job. Ryan Silverfield gets promoted to the head coach at the University of Memphis. Oh, that carousel in coaching. Going to step aside for a final break. We come back. We'll check in once again with Pro Day 
number two over at the University of Alabama. We'll do that and more when a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Are you? It's happened again in Alabama. A tornado emergency. One local radio company stations broke in with life-saving information to help protect you and your family. That company was our company, Town Square Media. And here on Tide 100.9, we stand committed to do our part for the city and towns we love. When tornadoes touch down in Tuscaloosa, count on Tide 100.9 every time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, maybe a few isolated showers, the high 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of scattered showers, the low 64. Tomorrow, cloudy, a good chance of showers, maybe a few strong thunderstorms during the day, the high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. We have Pro Day Aplente on this Tuesday, both in Tuscaloosa and Ohio State. Jacob Harrison, I see where Justin Fields ran a 4-4-4 in the 40, according to one watch up there in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know. Is that a surprise? Not to me, it isn't. Kind of expected him to run 4-5 or maybe better, didn't you? Well, uh, there was a video, or, or not a video, but a picture that was released just a few days ago where, you know, Ohio State had their, you know, a, a graphic or something that they have hung in their facilities, and it had Justin Fields at like a 438 or something like that. I'm not surprised that he runs a 444. What does surprise me is that's the number that came up on so many clocks when he clearly stumbled about seven yards in. Huh. That's a pretty fast stumble. That, you know, I think in my 20s, at the right time in the early hours of a, of a particular morning, I could probably stumble sub 4-4, you know, back in the early 90s. If you caught me at the right time around 2.30 on some weekend mornings, I probably stumbled 4-3-7 on some watches. So I could see that with a stumble. It just had to catch me. You just had to catch me at the right time, or I guess you could say the wrong time in my life. But uh, over at Alabama, kind of the big news this morning has been that Devontae Smith may give it a go with some routes. That's interesting because you know, Jacob, 
you've been working, I would think, primarily with guys that you plan on throwing to, right, in these scripted sessions. And even though you have as much time in the tank with Devontae Smith, you haven't worked with him much of late. Uh, so you can kind of look at that both ways. I look at it from the standpoint of probably Devontae Smith thinks he's going to help Mac Jones. You know, being out there with his guy might help with uh, getting him comfortable. Again, all the time they have in together, going back to coming into Alabama in the 2017 recruiting class, uh, Devontae still dealing with that finger situation that cropped up in the early stages of the second half of Alabama's win over Ohio State in the national championship game. So we'll see how that goes. And also saw some info, a picture, I guess, of Najee Harris with a heavily tanked, heavily taped ankle. Not going to run the 40, but apparently going to go through some drill work and catch some balls, which will only reaffirm his status as a elite receiver out of the backfield, you would think. So you get Devontae out there maybe, maybe Najee, and uh, you kind of have the band back together in some ways. Don't have Jalen Waddell, but uh, you'd have a couple of those guys. And you think about the setting over there right now. We outlined it earlier in the show. Bill Belichick. His offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, you've got Sean Payton, head coach for the New Orleans Saints there, Um, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch of the 49ers. No big deal, right? I guess it really isn't as much, though. This is another benefit of going to Alabama. When you get in these situations, especially as a quarterback, you're throwing the football in front of Nick Saban every day. How much more intense can it get? And Max seems like he's wired in a way in which it probably wouldn't bother him all that much anyway. But you think about maybe the basketball version of this, and you have private workouts and hoops. You have a combine in basketball. But it makes me think about the difference in notoriety where coaches are concerned, even coordinators. We even know most coordinators or a lot of coordinators in the National Football League, right? You take a poll of 20 people at the corner of Greensboro and University right now at the lunchtime hour and ask them, Jacob Harrison, who's the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers? The defending world champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Who is the head coach? Not an assistant coach. Who's the head coach of the Lakers? How many people out of 20 right now in downtown Tuscaloosa, if you polled them, could answer that question, Jacob, do you think? You gave me enough time to Google it, but I did not. (laughs) Uh, I I have integrity. I have no idea what the name of the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers is. Frank Vogel. But we'll call him from here on out from this point forward because of what you just said. He's Frank Google. Because you do. You have to Google the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. So, like, if you play at Duke and you play for a brand in and of itself that is Mike Krzyzewski, or you play for Roy Williams, you I mean, obviously basketball players, they know who NBA head coaches are. But it's just not even in the same universe, is it? If I've got to go shoot jump shots in front of Frank Vogel, and I played for Mike Krzyzewski, that's definitely not going to impact me. 
Now, you know, you play for Nick Saban, it's probably not going to impact you as much to be right there in front of Bill Belichick or Kyle Shanahan or Sean Payton. But if you play for someone in college football, probably other than Nick Saban, you're going to feel that, I would think, a little bit more when you talk about uh, the presence and uh, the recognition value that is football coaches uh, in comparison to others at the professional level anyway uh, in basketball. Now, again, college basketball coaches, I think most fans associate teams with coaches in college more than they do even the schools themselves. Mike Krzyzewski is Duke basketball. Roy Williams is North Carolina basketball. Mark Few has reached a point, I think, now where he is Gonzaga basketball. Not so much players as coaches, but uh, when you get to the professional level, I, I honestly, honestly, Jacob, I'm right there with you. If you ask me to name, I know that Stan Van Gundy is the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. I know that. But you get me beyond that. I, if you ask me to name the head coach of the last four or five NBA championship teams I couldn't do it I know Eric Spolstra I know him in Miami because he's been down there so long but that's it and maybe that's part of it too the uh movement that you have at the the head coaching level is can be volatile at times that's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports thanks Brett Beard for joining us on the program Jacob Harrison as always doing a super job producing the show the lunch whistle on this Tuesday. It is a Thai chicken pizza Tuesday. That's where I'm headed for dinner tonight. I am so looking forward to those Thai chicken pizzas. Really everything on the menu there. At Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Frank and his staff, his crew, they are out of this world. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.